0: Welcome to the She Will Shine podcast, where we bring you the real stories of female business owners. My name is Danielle Price and I'm the founder of She Will Shine, a supportive business network for women. It's time to give a voice to women in business and discover their journey. Hi everyone and welcome to the She Will Shine podcast, another episode in lockdown and we have the lovely Megan Mander with us. Hi Megan, how are you?
1: I'm good, thanks Danielle. Thanks for having me on.
0: Oh, thank you for being here. Now, Megan is the director and founder of Urbane Commercial. He founded in 2016 Urbane, a commercial property management and leasing specialist, and are driven by a passion to deliver superior results with empathy and professionalism. I like the empathy in that introduction, Megan.
1: Is that something that you find important in your industry? I find it very important in our profession But I feel like there's a lot of real estate agents that perhaps don't have that empathy for their clients and it's potentially about something else for them versus really looking out for the client's best interests, possibly a bit general when you throw them into that category. But,
0: yeah. Yeah. A stereotype nonetheless. Yeah. A little birdie told me that you were working in McDonald's from the age of 15.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Was that something you enjoyed? Yeah, I loved it. Um, I guess it was just a really good opportunity, one, to earn money. Um, And I still remember that back then when I started, I was earning $4.92 an hour. That just sticks with me, that amount of money. Um, I worked really hard at McDonald's and I really appreciated the training that they gave you. And I think it's really good training. I don't know whether they still... Um, have the same sort of things in place these days but I think it was a really good foundation um, for learning good work ethic having sort of procedures and things like that in place so I worked at McDonald's right up until maybe a couple of years after I finished high school and did a few things at the same time but I really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, It's good, isn't it? I kind of found I was a checkout chick from 14 and nine months or whatever it was that we were allowed oh, yeah. to start working. And I was yeah. the same. I continued through with it up until I got my first full-time job. I loved yeah. it.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think it was a bit about other than the fact you were earning money, it was sort of a good way to connect with people your age. And, yeah, I don't know. I really did enjoy it. Yeah.
0: And so from high school, was it always real estate for you?
1: So after high school, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I was working at McDonald's. Um, I was working in a bakery as well with a girlfriend. And she decided that she was going to go and study um, real estate um, at TAFE in Adelaide. And I just thought that was a great idea and just jumped on board that and studied it and then Got my first job in residential real estate in Adelaide as a property manager. Actually, I think initially I was the receptionist. So that's sort of where you start your career in a real estate office or answering phones and things like that. And then became an assistant property manager.
0: Obviously, you're enjoying it to
1: stay in the industry and you know climb the ladder slowly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that was um, important as in there were opportunities to grow within um, within the um, employer or within the industry, there was lots of different things that you could do.
0: Was it um, male dominated at that stage,
1: Megan, or was there a fair mix? I think back in Adelaide, in the office that I worked in, which was a family office, it was quite balanced um, in that it was a small office, so there were a couple of property managers, but I mean, it's a very male dominated industry. Um, Not so much in property management. It is more female dominated. But in sales, it's obviously highly weighted um, with males, yeah.
0: So now you're in Melbourne. Um, What what was the move for from Adelaide
1: to Melbourne? Was it uh, career-wise? Was it personal? It was personal. But I think everybody in Adelaide wants to escape when they're a teenager. And everybody wants to go to Melbourne essentially, because it's, I don't know, the cool thing to do. Um, So, yeah, that's what I did. But I moved here with my partner at the time. Um, And, yeah, I have got my first job in an agency in Baldwin, just as a residential property manager. Um, And then I just got sick of working weekends more so than anything else. So I wanted to get into commercial because that was more a Monday to Friday.
0: Ah, yeah, of course. That role, Yeah. Yeah. And was it, did you find it different? Like what what were the sort of similarities within the commercial and residential and what were the differences?
1: Yeah, absolutely different. I mean, different legislation, um, different problems. Um, With residential, it's sort of more personal. So you're dealing with, um, you know, residential tenants. And so they take things or they find problems um, or there are problems, let's say, but they take it really personally. Um, whereas in commercial different problems bigger problems and they become quite litigious because you're dealing with business owners essentially versus um, you know mums and dads and families or yeah things like that so it was really different Um, I had an opportunity to work again in a sort of suburban family-run agency and I was meant to work under the wing with the commercial property manager who was also part of the family who owned the business. And not long after I started there as the assistant property manager, he left for whatever reason. And so I got thrown in the deep end with, you know, commercial property management and didn't really know anything about it, but it was a really good opportunity to, um, you know, find out everything that you needed to find out. And there wasn't really anyone else in the business um, to ask those questions other than the director and he possibly wasn't all that approachable so you had to go and and find that out for yourself I think about it now and it really it really sort of made me think on my feet and and try and work out a problem and try and solve a problem without having to go to him or you know just work things out for yourself so how old do you think you were at that stage so I was 20 probably yeah so very young Yeah. Yeah. Youngish. Yeah. So still sort of living the life and, but also I was really, really focused on a career and trying to set myself up financially. And, and I think because of those values that were instilled back in the day at McDonald's, I mean, it was only what, four or five years prior, you really had a good work ethic. So, you know, you did really want to excel and do the right thing and work hard. And you realized that there was reward in that not only for your career, but also financially. And as I said before, in real estate, there is really that, that path that you can sort of work up the chain.
0: Did you find it difficult, um, seeing as though you'd left Adelaide and I presume your family were all in Adelaide yeah. and came to Melbourne, was that something that you struggled with at the time?
1: Um, not really. I mean, it's always a little bit difficult not having family around, more so now, um, but I think in your 20s you know, you've got your, your work family as such um, because you spend so much time in the workplace. You become good friends with people. Um, and also you're, you're quite social. So, you know, you're constantly going out. And I had a partner at the time, so I was fine. I was loving life. Weekends were spent out partying. You're busy, busy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And yeah. Not, doing, not doing inspections every Saturday. So effectively you had your weekends. Yeah,
0: that's right. I guess you came to Melbourne at the right age then because suddenly you were available to do whatever took your fancy on the weekend and
1: yeah. you were at the right
0: age to really just enjoy it. Yeah. So how
1: long were you at that firm for? Um, I was there for about four years um, and then I just sort of became like I'd sort of um, gone as far as I could in the commercial space within that company because they were quite small we had grown the commercial business from about 100 properties, I think, to 200 and something over the period I was there. But the assets that we were working with were small sort of single-fronted shops, warehouses, um, and I just wanted to keep learning. I didn't feel like I could learn any more in that environment. So I went and worked for a, um, one of the city firms and managed um, shopping centres for about three years after that. And, and that was quite diverse. It was a totally different um, class of assets and different clients. So a small portfolio, but lot, it was far more complex than what I was used to. So again, it was another opportunity to learn and grow and, and deal with different things.
0: And in that role, did you have like a mentor? You said um, in the previous role, that person had moved on. So did you find that in this role?
1: Um again, I was working direct with the head of the department at the time, and both of those people that I've worked with were quite um they had quite strong characters. they were male, um, they were quite demanding um, and it wasn't I don't know, it was a difficult relationship to some extent, but I also did learn a lot from both of them because they just wouldn't stand. They wouldn't stand for anything. I remember actually in the other um, business in Hawthorne, he was really particular about being on the phone for a short period of time. And he back in the day he would stand next to your like telecom commander phone. And you know how they used to have like how long you've been on the phone for? And he would stand next to your desk and he you weren't allowed to be on the phone for more than three minutes. And he would stand there and he would tap tap on you, you know, oh my your desk God. that you yeah, yeah, right. So that you'd been on the phone for too long and you're sort of like, hey, I'm trying to deal with a problem here and I'm talk, talking to your clients. But, you know, he would be there like, get off the phone. Like, you, you know, you need to yeah. move in. Yeah, he hurry it up. Yeah. Um, and look, the next boss was again quite particular, not quite to the same extent, but um, very short, very blunt. And, you know, you did sort of have to, tread very carefully um, in that environment and as much as I probably didn't like it at the time it did teach me a lot um, about I guess how to work with people as well yeah. and how to get the best out of someone is not always to be like that.
0: Did you kind of you know store it away in the back of your brain if I'm ever a boss to someone else I'm not going to act like this <laughs> you know how <laughs> those little experiences yeah. you know you kind of keep them in the memory bank and go I'm not going to do it like
1: that. Yeah, that's true. But one thing I did learn from one of those bosses is they said 24 hours is a long time in real estate, right? So what that means is you've got to return a call to someone, you've got to get back to someone because they're waiting for you. Um, you know, if, you, know, if you're, you call a real estate agent and they don't call you back, you're sort of like, hey mate, like what's going on? It's really not that hard to return a call or just let someone know I'm still working on that or I don't have an update for you, but just getting back to someone. And I think that's still, you know, one of those things that I've really um, held on to and ensure that most of the time that you do just provide someone with an update because they are expecting that from you.
0: Were there inklings of running your own business at this stage or was it still, you were happy to work for somebody else?
1: Um, After I got married, actually, I think, um, things sort of changed for me and like I was that really driven career person and then I sort of, and I was overworked, you know, we were, I was working long hours and I was probably overworked. I had too many assets that I was looking after. And after I got married, I was like, oh, well, here you go. What can we do now to make my life a little bit easier? Obviously I wanted to focus on having a family. So I actually I wasn't able to negotiate reducing my portfolio. So I resigned um, from the company I was working for. I just decided to do some consulting. So at that point, I felt like I'll find work. Um, And I did, I actually went back to my first boss and I did some consulting with their business right up until um, my daughter was born. Um, And then went back to them six months after or maybe even three months after my daughter was born and started doing part-time work. Um, I didn't think at that point that I would start my own business. I just wasn't really sure what I would want, what I wanted to do. Like I enjoyed real estate and I was obviously really passionate about it, but I just didn't want, after having a daughter, I didn't want to be overworked and wanted obviously to focus on her as well.
0: Yeah. Did you find that other females who had um, left to have children went back to work or was it sort of the, you know, the path that was kind of the most taken and the easiest taken to a degree? to not go back?
1: It's interesting because there's not really that many, well, I didn't know that many female commercial real estate agents. Um, I think in residential, a lot of them go back on a part-time basis. So like, I had an expectation that I would go back to work, but at that point, I didn't think that I would go back to full-time work. But to be honest, I have really had a bit of a rough trot um, with my daughter and I had postnatal depression and everything, and I just really wanted to, I mean, I didn't enjoy that time at home. So I just wanted to get back to work, um, but I just didn't know in what capacity, but I ended up going back to full-time work somewhere around six to nine months after having my daughter.
0: Did you feel a bit more yourself again once you were, once you were yeah, working? Yeah,
1: yeah. So it was sort of like, you know, you have a purpose again, because I was so career driven being focused um as a mum just i felt it was really unnatural and because it was difficult and i wasn't in a good place i just sort of wanted to move on from that essentially there's so
0: much going on in those first few months like it's life-changing regardless of the circumstance that you were in previously but it is really hard because suddenly you're this person then you're expected to be someone else and just overnight it's yeah it's really difficult time for women
1: yeah, there's no rule book, is there? And but no. it just wasn't a sleeper, um, and it just put a lot of pressure on, as it does with everybody, I guess, on relationships and um, yeah, it was just really tough and your sense of worth. So I just wanted to get back to work and you know ride that career cycle again. Yeah. Yeah. And so, did you put her into daycare? How did that kind of work for you? She was in daycare and my ex-husband's mother-in-law was also looking after her. But I was so um, embarrassed, I guess, of being a mum at the time. When I took my job, I didn't even tell my boss that I had a child. Oh, wow. Because I didn't want that to affect my chances of securing the job. Yeah. Like, and then I think in the first week when I started, I was like, oh, by the way... (laughs) I have a daughter and I might have to come in late sometimes. And I think it was just like, what are you talking about? You never told me about that. But um, it's really, yeah, your sense of um, mind and purpose, yeah. I was quite confused at the time, I think, about what was important for an employer. Yeah. How long
0: do you think it took you to kind of settle back into feeling okay on both
1: sides? Oh. Uh, Look, it was a long, a long process because she just didn't sleep for years. Um, So I think sleep deprivation, having postnatal depression, going back to work, not feeling good about yourself, you know, it, it took a couple of years, but it was great to be back in the workplace to have that sense of purpose outside of being a mother.
0: Yeah. And did you have any other support around you?
1: Look, obviously I had my husband and his family, but there was, without having my own family here, um, it was quite difficult. And it's also not the sort of thing that you talk to your girlfriends about. And none of my girlfriends, and this is obviously a little bit deep, but um, none of my girlfriends had children. So I was the first out of all of my friends in Melbourne to have a child, because I wanted to have a child when I was 30 and bang like that, it happened. in hindsight, I probably should have waited a bit longer. But, um, yeah, it was obviously um, yeah, a little bit difficult. So I think there was a lack of support, which obviously didn't help things. Yeah, that's right. And you
0: can't see other people in the same situation and what's considered normal and what's not considered normal and yeah. what are the
1: signs? So after I had my daughter, I secured a full-time role for an international um, commercial real estate agency. Um, and at that point... I was managing again more um, like I managed a portfolio of police stations for a publicly listed company and I also managed a couple of office buildings so it was quite complex high class assets and clients and really enjoyed it but just felt like I was a number and I was surrounded in a big office with a couple of hundred people um, all sort of quite confident real estate agents and I just didn't feel like I really belonged there, but I could have just worked there for the rest of my life really got paid an excellent amount of money, but just wasn't satisfied. Um, And some of my clients from my initial um, employer back when I started in real estate had actually followed me. So I was managing their assets at that company as well. And they were like, why don't you start your own real estate business. And I was like, oh, you know, it's not very secure. Why would you do that? And then it just sort of planned that seed. That why wouldn't you do that? You know, and it was sort of, I think, it just it just planted that seed in me like there's no reason that my clients really needed to be with me under this massive corporate banner, paying excessive fees when really they just want this person managing their assets so it was sort of like a, a value proposition i guess as well that i was thinking this is a bit unfair what do i want to do did you find
0: um because obviously there was a really good working relationship between yourself and your clients for them to a, say that to you and for you to think okay yes i can do this and these clients will come with me
1: it was sort of like at that point there was i think six clients and 15 properties And I was like, man, there's no way you could make a living out of that amount of money. But it was sort of working out, well, what do you value? What's important to you? What do you want to achieve in your career? What's more important, money or the meaning behind what you're doing essentially? So it was just, um, look, it took me a couple of years to work up the courage to do it um but i did it and i actually spoke to my director at the time and said look this is what i'm planning to do there's no point these clients being here and this is and it's really about the relationship which i think you don't get with larger corporations yeah so i started really really small um, and literally was not earning enough money to take a salary. I mean, as you do in the first few years of business, but just sort of, yeah, paying the bills, I guess. You sort
0: of look at your fellow workmates and see their career paths. Did you see anyone doing
1: similar? No, no. Um, I had one other sort of mutual colleague from one of my earlier um, employers who had set up a residential business and I did know a couple of females that had also set up residential businesses but other than that but they weren't that close to me but other than that no not really so it was a real I guess I sort of wanted to prove something to myself as well I'm that sort of person that when you get an idea in your head and you decide that's what you're going to do you're going to give it absolutely everything to make sure it works I mean I was doing uber driving I haven't really told anyone this, but I was yeah. doing Uber driving for the first six months at the same time as running my business because I just didn't have any money. Yeah. I didn't have any spending money. So, and I didn't actually start my business until I had separated from my husband. So there wasn't really, there wasn't anyone else supporting me. No other me. options. Yeah. 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 You had to stand on your own two feet. Yeah, so I've actually never told anyone that, but um, there you go. Just told everyone.
0: <laughs> there you go. There's nothing wrong with that. You did what you had to do.
1: No secrets anymore. I feel like no. you embrace it, right?
0: That's it. Exactly. But that's the thing, though. When you've got your heart set on something, it's like, well, what do I need to do to get there? Yeah. And that yeah. was one of the things that you needed to do. So how old was your daughter at this stage? Um, how
1: old is she? 11. So she was, what, seven.
0: Yeah. From that point, what was the first you know, first thing you did to start your business?
1: So I was still um, employed for the first few months while I was getting things off the ground um, and doing all the website and things like that. And then it was just, you know, it was starting with those clients and getting those properties on board and sort of just getting that set up, even though there was only about 15 properties, just making sure that, you know, you had the systems in place and, and things like that. And then it was just lots of conversations with people um, you know, lots of cold calls, lots of coffees, telling people what you were doing. And I think people thought I was stupid, to be honest. Um, I remember an old client saying to me, oh, you, you mustn't be that serious about it because you don't have an office. And I was like, hang on a second. I'm more serious than the agent that you've got managing your properties. Now, I didn't say this to her because I'm, you know, I've got everything sort of on the line here and, yep. and it's me and I'm really passionate about it. And you're going to get me to deal with not because in property management, people move on, you know, in, in, you might have a property for 10 years as an investor, but you might have 10 property managers yep. during that time. So someone that's managing their own business and managing that property essentially has a lot more, and I can't think of the word, but you know, riding on retaining right. that property than, Than another sort of big business. So, yeah, just lots of conversation. And I managed to secure an office building um, within the first six months of my business. And it was actually a referral from another commercial real estate agent who were referring it outside of the agency that they worked for because they knew that I was good at what, you know, good at my job and I knew what I was doing. And then I would give that client the right service, whereas they didn't think their business would do that so isn't
0: that interesting yeah yeah yeah.
1: so that was um that was sort of the i don't know the what do you call it like that just sort of started things for me and i guess it also gave me the confidence yeah gave me the confidence that yep yep you can do this i mean i went in on a pretty low fee at the time um to secure the business because it was really important and now i don't do that now i value the service that we provide and I provide. And I mean, I've learned over the last four years, you drop your fees, you know, you're gonna have problems. Yeah. You're attracting the wrong client. If you're gonna, not that I've ever discounted my fees to a point that makes no sense, but yeah, you're attracting the wrong client. So now i will turned down properties, you know, if you're not prepared to pay my base rate, I appreciate you being interested, but thanks very much. There's someone else who can help. Yeah, and there absolutely is, yeah. Yeah. Real estate agents have a reputation for not valuing the service that they provide, yeah, in my opinion. In your opinion. (laughs)
0: Did you find, um, you said earlier that, you know, other people thought that you were silly going through, you know, creating your own business. Did you kind of use that as motivation, as in I'm going to show them?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, don't we all? when somebody tells you you can't do something um yeah I think it just instills something in you doesn't it
0: yeah
1: I'll show them (laughs) it's kind of like dangling the carrot
0: (laughs) yeah exactly so how many years has it been now that you've had the business
1: yeah so it's four years um and what a year this has been um to be honest this year I've sat on the fence about whether I should have started my own business because commercial real estate as are all businesses are really being hit at the moment because understandably tenants don't want to pay their rental and and don't have to they're protected by the regulations so there is an impact um, financially but also emotionally it's obviously quite tough um, dealing with problems all of the time Um, but I think it's also an opportunity to learn about how to resolve issues and how to move forward and look outside, I guess, the box that I've been working in.
0: And have you found, um, like, people towards you, have they been understanding of that? Because, you know, obviously in your industry and we have accountants um, in our Shine membership as well, who are really feeling the brunt of this and sometimes the wrong, you know, they're getting
1: the wrong end of the stick. So how has that been for you? Yeah, look, they have on both sides. Both the tenants uh, and the landlords have been quite understanding. And obviously now with online learning and not being as accessible, I think there's there's certainly been, um, yeah, a lot of understanding from them both. Um, unfortunately, a lot of the time we are essentially the meat in the sandwich. Yeah. And we might just be delivering a message that, neither party really wants to hear but it's not necessarily our opinion or it's not our decision to make and so we are the bearer of bad news um so it, it's quite challenging um there's a couple of difficult cases where people won't listen to you and won't see reason um and are not also looking at the bigger picture so it's yeah we we're, we can be a psychologist like the accountant can because yeah we're with problems people 's businesses are affected their livelihoods affected um, it is really draining yeah
0: and are you you know is the industry receiving support through like a governing body because of all this
1: yeah so the real estate institute of Victoria is our industry association essentially um, and they 're quite supportive um, and sort of feeding through lots of information but it's It's just one of those scenarios where it's trying to um, educate both the landlord and the tenant about what the regulations say and also about trying to get them to understand that, you know, it's, it's nobody's fault. It's not like there was a bad business owner who is not paying his rent because he runs a bad business or he's done something dodgy. It's we're in this situation because of a global pandemic. So it just has to be a little bit of give and take. But from a landlord's perspective as well, you know, they have a lease, they haven't done anything wrong. They don't receive any of the incentives that a tenant perhaps has access to. And yet they're affected. And some of those people are mum and dads that rely on the income. So it's a real, yeah, catch 22. So I thought, would I prefer to be working for an employer right now? I don't think so, at least in your own business. You can make those decisions. If you can't work, you know, today and you need to take a break, you can take a break. I've tried to more recently think, you know what, it's not urgent. You know, it's not critical that you respond to this today. You can step away, have a think about it. As long as you are responding and keeping the parties in the loop, you know, things are not going to fall apart overnight because, you know, you haven't sort of resolved something.
0: Yeah. And how have you found, um, so you were working in an office and now you're working from home with your daughter home studying, um, home learning.
1: How are you finding that
0: switch back to working from home again?
1: Um, Look, online learning is challenging. I don't mind working from home as much. Um, I feel sorry for my daughter a little bit because it's more the interruptions and she knows that, you know, it's a bit stressful and I'm highly strung. Um, and there just seems to be a lot of breaks and um, a lot of interruptions, but bless them, they just need to be at school, don't they?
0: Yeah, they do. Yeah, hopefully soon. Now, we haven't talked about this prior to our interview, but I know that you started running marathons.
1: Oh, yes. yes? So, yeah. how long ago did that start? Um, I started running actually when I got divorced um, because I needed to do something that was pretty unhealthy at the time. Um, I ran my first marathon in 2018 and I've now become an addicted runner. Um, So this year, unfortunately, all of my races have effectively been cancelled. So it's quite devastating, but I've got a treadmill at home. So I run 50, 60, 70 Ks a week, if if not on the treadmill outside.
0: So you're still motivated to continue the marathons
1: beyond 2020? absolutely yeah so i've run a couple of ultra marathons so 50k so i had um two ultra marathons this year um i possibly will do a 50 or 100 in december but i'm just waiting to hear whether that's still on um yeah so running sort of keeps me sane but it's not that great for your body because it's a high impact yeah What goes through your head when you're running for that long? My mind is constantly going. Um, More recently, I've been thinking creative things about business. Um, My main goal this year was to run 100Ks. But in the first lockdown, I thought, you know what? Be kind. Be kind to your body. Got a bit going on. Maybe don't do that. And so I actually gave up that dream. Lockdown number two, I'm like re-motivated about it. Back on it. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, you could do this. And I've also thought about turning it into a fundraiser for Are You Okay? Um, I contacted them, actually. I'm waiting to hear back from them to see if I can fundraise for it. Um, I, yeah, I think about a lot of things. But I also listen to podcasts if I'm not hiring on the treadmill or I've watched a million docos on ultra running this lockdown. Um, yeah, I don't know. But the mind doesn't actually switch off unless you're listening to something or watching something. But I find, it, I find it really helpful. Did you run, like, in high school? Or was this, like, a whole new thing? No. No, I played hockey. Yeah. I wasn't very fit, really. I think um, as I was approaching 40, I was like, you know what, you've got to do something here. I got hit in the head playing hockey twice, so I've decided that hockey's not um, that safe for me. Running's safer, but just not good for your body. Yeah. Last year I ran the... Um, New York marathon with a fractured tibia don't recommend it but yes yeah you can the body can do anything if your mind wants to do it
0: yeah well this thing is that's the thing I ask because i yeah. like marathon you have to have your mindset in the right place to keep going
1: yeah, yeah. love it I find it. that really
0: interesting so everything that's happened and I guess this could have been a question at the start of 2020 which may have a different answer now But what do you foresee moving forward?
1: Look, it's a challenging time. It's really dependent on what happens in the industry, to be honest, because the business could really change. I mean, I will focus on trying to acquire more office buildings and things like that. Retail is going to be really tough. So our business is retail, commercial, office and industrial and it's probably about 40% retail and retail is really going to struggle. So it's going to be a, a tough asset class. The business will still be around, um, but it will be a different, different environment. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I was a little bit bored with the business at the beginning of the year. So maybe you just, it's that cycle and you're sort of questioning what can you do differently and things like that. So COVID has really flipped that around um, and it's, it has been good in a way to, I guess, reinvigorate yeah, what I was doing essentially and getting back into the business again. And I have sort of been thinking about outside the box. Whereas before I was sort of like, okay, what are we doing? Are we bring a partner on. It's certainly given me another lease of life, I guess, with regards to the business. Yep.
0: Yeah, it's a challenge now that you've got in front of you that yeah. you need to overcome and adapt in whichever way you see fit
1: yeah that's right
0: for all of us right yeah yeah that's exactly right we've all got to change to um to see what we just think we don't know there's that uncertainty as well with what's coming so we're, we're constantly trying to adapt as we're living through it but there's also the uncertainty of what's to come how's life at home
1: with your daughter though are you enjoying seeing more of her uh it's special isn't it yeah to be honest it's um whilst it's challenging it's it's rewarding in a way um, because you do just, I mean, you're not rushed. You don't have to rush to the office. I mean, right now I'm not allowed to as a real estate agent go to any of my buildings unless there's emergencies. So you you can spend that time with them. Um, I'm not 100% focused on her all of the time, but we won't get this time again where you spend so much time alongside them. You know, you're listening to their learning. You're seeing them engage with their teachers and classmates. You don't see that. I mean, I don't know how people are teachers because I find it quite frustrating when you're hearing their questions and things like that. But, um, you know, they need to be in the classroom essentially. But we will make the most of what we do have. We're still so fortunate. Um, You know, we have a house. We're healthy. So, Megan, what do you think has been the highlight? I guess having a successful business. Because I probably didn't think that I could do it either. Um, I'm not your typical real estate agent and I do struggle with accepting that you're good at what you do and people want you to manage their properties because, you know, you are a leader in your field. Um, I get a little bit uncomfortable with that. So, you know, sometimes you just have to sit back and, and really think about what you do and how you do it and... Why you are where you are. Um, personally, I mean, there's still a lot of things that I'm working on um, for myself um, as a mum, as a business owner. Um, you know, so yeah, but I think it's really just about accepting that you do have a good business and you are good at what you do and acknowledging that. Thank you so much for your time today, Megan.
0: We had some
1: tech issues
0: earlier on, but we got there. There was no dogs barking in the background. (laughs) They're probably at the door waiting to come in. Thanks for joining us on the She Will Shine podcast today. We'll have another episode for you very soon. See you next time. Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode of the She Will Shine podcast, we invite you to check out shewillshine.com.au. She Will shine is the essential support network you need to grow a thriving, meaningful business. We can help you grow your network, connect and develop genuine relationships, be supported, and support others in building and growing a successful business on your terms. Say goodbye to
1: working alone and become a member at shewillshine.com.au.